Hello, fam. Love and salutations, good people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Slow Wealth Podcast. I am Kendra. And this is Ramon. And as we have on our previous podcast, we're going to start the show with a powerful motivational quote for y'all. The quote starts as, better to live one year as a tiger than 100 years as a sheep. Now, elaborate on that. <laughs> well. Or what do you think that means? What do I think that means? If you live as a tiger, you live fearless. Um, just as uh, one of the YouTube um Things I was listening to the other day with Dr. Miles Monroe, he talked about the elephant and the lion, right? The elephant could actually kill the lion, but because of the elephant's mindset, it knows that it's lunch for that lion. So when it sees the lion, it automatically starts running away from the lion or it gets really defensive and you know scared but the lion when it sees this big elephant um uh, a, a mammal that's larger than itself and smarter it thinks lunch so automatically as soon as he hit the safari floor that lion hit the safari floor he came out there like i'm a lion and I'm ready for your ass <laughs> you know <laughs> the elephant has that mindset where it's it has that sheepish mindset to a lion, whereas mm. it's ready for the slaughter. You know what I mean? Mm. The lion is just like I'm fearless. I'm the king or queen, and I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna do things that's that I have to do to survive and to take care of my family. That's how I think about it. Me personally. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have no fear. Yeah, it's just being fearless. Fear is the cause or the reason why a lot of people don't aspire to greatness because they're scared. That's true. That's so true. So that's what I get is just be a tiger and don't worry about nothing. And just, like you said, who, uh, like I said, Dr. Miles Monroe, where he said that the richest place on earth it's, it's a cemetery. A, it's a graveyard, yeah. A lot of people taking their inventions, their songs, their talents, all yeah, all things that they never put out, whether they were scared or they just died too early. That is gone. We'll never get it. So, while you're here on Earth, become fearless and just go after whatever it is that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's better to live. One year as a tiger, and then I live a uh, hundred years as a sheep. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So do you and and get your moments of happiness, things that are you know make you happy, a lifestyle that will make you happy and wealthy. <laughs> That's for sure, you know. But um. Anyways, ways to contact us. You can contact us on Facebook at Slow Wealth. Um, that is S like slow. Slow. <laughs> slow. Like oh, slow right 
No, it's S like success. L like living. O like on. E like elevation. So again, that success lives on elevation. Slow wealth. We are at um, invest at slowwealth.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H. We are on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. And you got it right this time. Yay, I got it right. I got it right. So I hope everyone had um, a wonderful um, holiday weekend. Uh, We've been on a hiatus once again. We had uh, uh, family members visit from out of town. We tried, you know, did some little traveling and had birthdays. So it's been an exciting two months. To be honest, yeah, mm. since May. Um, so we are back on schedule now. Our lives are back in order, and we are so excited to be back speaking with y'all. Yay! <laughs> I'm just excited to be back on the mic, too. It's nice. <laughs> um, so, Ramon, why don't you give us some updates on where the housing market is? Or if you want to discuss the stock market, you can discuss that also. Well, as far as the housing market, uh, the interest rates have fell again. So I think the average is around three what point. Do you, what do you mean they fail? Like they they're lower? Yeah. They're oh, lower. okay. Well, you said fail, they fail again. <laughs> no, I don't mean like failed. I mean like they actually oh, dropped. Okay. They decreased uh, from what they were through the last couple months. So I think they're averaging around three point two five percent. If you're buying, if you're refinancing, um, it could actually be lower uh, if you're buying. So just depending on the lender, they they could be like in the mid or kind of like the high two percent, which is really still historically low. So like if you are even attempting or contemplating buying something like. Now is the time. Or if you have something and you have a higher interest rate, now is the time to refinance. Save money. Especially if you can save yourself a half percent or more. Because um, that can equate to, you know, a hundred, a couple hundred dollars a month that you could be saving. Um, so, and I think this is probably going to carry on for, for a while as far as the interest rates being low. Um, but then you also got to think, if we have a second wave of uh, COVID, and then you got to think that's going to happen around the winter months. And the winter months is historically the time when there's not a lot of movement in the market, in the housing market. So there's not a lot of people selling, and there's not a lot of people buying. If you are able to buy, a lot of times you can get it at a deeper discount because people are you know, probably just trying to get rid of their property. Before the end of the year. Yeah, before um, they have to pay those taxes. Correct. So, um, again, it's still a great time to buy. I think the interest rates is lower. Um, just get out there. Stock market, hey, it's, it's a good time to invest. Like, you're, you know, you're seeing crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy returns. 20, 30, 50%. Like, if you buy the right, uh, the right stock. I would say, though, to, you know, be cautious because people are killing themselves. 
because they're losing a lot of money in the stock market. Um, it's a lot of new investors who are just, even because Robinhood, like Robinhood is kind of bittersweet because it's, it makes it really easy to invest for anybody, but it also makes it really easy to lose for everybody, mm-hmm. especially the ones who, you know, don't really know about the stock market. Yeah, those novices have to definitely be very cognizant of what it is that they're doing and how they're moving their money around. I mean, to be on the safe side, I would just invest in, like, companies that you know have a good financial uh, balance sheet, uh, no matter what's going on. You know, that's companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple. uh, Shoot, right now, Tesla Tesla. is killing it. Yeah, he winning. I mean. his, his, His stock doing crazy numbers. Um, you know, PayPal, Etsy, um, Costco. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a few companies that you can invest in. And it, and one thing about, you know, like Robinhood apps like that where you can invest, um, I think Acorns too, but you can, if you don't have enough money to buy the whole share, you can buy a fractional share. Yeah. So, like, Amazon is t- probably, I think, about 2400 a stock mm-hmm. or a share right now. Well, you know, everybody don't have that. Right. So you say, man, I only got $200. Well, you still buy a piece of Amazon. Right. You don't own a full share, you know, just like Bitcoin. If you don't have enough, which I think Bitcoin is about 9200 No, I thought it was like 16000 No, no, no. It's 9200 uh, It's probably a little over uh, 9200 of Bitcoin. So, like, if you got $100, you still can buy a piece of that Bitcoin. You know, so, hey. Be careful, be cautious, do your research on any company you invest in because when you're buying shares, you are buying ownership into that company. And you don't want to buy ownership into a company that's not doing good. Right. That's completely failing. Because <laughs> a lot of companies are going bankrupt. Hertz, for one of them. Uh, J.C. Penney, I think, filed bankruptcy. Yeah, J.C. Penney. Um, Bed Bath and Beyond. No, you said that, but they didn't. I um, thought they were because they've closed a lot of stores. They closed a lot of companies, closing stores, but they're not filing bankruptcy. Mm. This company is actually filing bankruptcy, which doesn't mean that they are going out of business. Mm-hmm. They're actually they're actually filing uh, Chapter Eleven, which is really just you restructuring your debts, which means you can actually come out of that better mm-hmm. in a lot of cases yeah your investors would lose their money but you still have the company yeah you like i said you might come back so you know don't write those companies off you know like hertz or something because they can go back restructure and come back with lower debt higher liquidity and skyrocket again you know so you just got to pay attention and do your research on these companies before uh you decide to invest don't ever invest more than you're willing to lose. Exactly. That's a key to get. And always do your research about the companies that you are, any investment opportunity that you that you have. You want to make sure you're doing your research. And as Ramon said, never invest more than you can afford to. So if you can afford to lose $100 and, and not flip out, you know, it's not going to make or break you. Invest that $100. If you can't go a penny over that, don't. Man. That's it. Yeah, that's it for the housing market. You know, just make sure that you're keeping up with um, 
news. I mean, things are changing from moment to moment. Right now, is it the Senate or the representatives that's on break? One of them is on I think break. The, I think the Senate. Okay. Till July 11th, I believe. Okay, so they're on, yeah, they're taking a vacation until next week. But I do want to mention that um, with COVID, it has definitely affected how we do some of our operations. Um, as far as like evictions, <laughs> because some people, you know, have lost their jobs or um, they've been laid off or furloughed because of COVID. Um, so a lot of states and you want to check in your state uh, what the eviction um, process is going, you know, uh, during the during this time, because I know here um, in parts of Texas, um the moratorium on evictions has been extended. Um, however, people that have been laid off, lost their jobs, or furloughed as a, in a as an investor or a landlord, it, it's our we should be doing our due diligence and asking for proof um, that they've been either laid off or furloughed, um, so that we can make arrangements as to how we pay our mortgage um, because just because the tenant has lost their job um, and they may not be able to pay rent we understand that and because we understand that we'll try to work with them however we have to work with the mortgage company concerning the properties that we own so um, some states has they have extended the moratorium meaning basically they prohibited evictions until a certain date. Um, that has definitely affected some of the some of the ways we've oper- we're operating our properties. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, you just have to, uh, and it's really only on federally backed loans. Yes. So yes. So like you, FHA, VA, USDA. Right. Yeah. So if you don't have a loan, if your property does not have a loan that's federally backed, then your tenants do not have a moratorium on eviction. Meaning, if they do not pay rent, or at least attempt to pay rent, or try to uh, work something out with you, and you feel like, hey, listen, you're you're causing me money staying here, um, you are still free to file an eviction, which we are doing right now on our other property. Uh, So... You know, and, you know, with COVID, it's kind of a tricky thing because everybody's feeling it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it kind of is in your best interest to work it out with your tenant, um, and especially if they are willing to. Some tenants are using this as a excuse not to pay, and those are the ones that, you know, you have to get them out. We had somebody try to pull that, and we asked for proof, and we got a rent check like two or three days Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, now, you know, fortunately, they don't know that, you know, that property is, is has an FHA on it. But, you know, you know, because had they known, they could have, you know, just not paid. And then we would have had to either uh, do a forbearance on our property mm-hmm. because we couldn't, you know, pay pay their portion or just pay their portion until we're able to evict them. Um, but like she said, they tried that. And we was like, hey, well, you need to show us proof. 
And yeah, we got the check like I think two days later. Two so. days later. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I don't blame them for trying it. You know, uh, like I said, t- times tough. If you can save any kind of money you can, anybody's gonna do that. I, you know what trips me out though. I know we don't want to go too deep into this, but I'm not gonna mess with my my living situation, like where I'm living. I'm not gonna mess with my rent or my mortgage car payments i mean you know that's probably something i'd be a little bit more lenient toward if i had to make those you know those types of decisions do i have to pay my rent or should i pay my car payment i'm gonna pay my rent first i ain't gonna mess around with my you know but that is not gonna mess around with that that's not gonna keep them from trying it because what if they said that and we said oh okay well you know what that's okay you know um just give it to us when you can now they like, oh, cool. We can save our money, you know. Yeah, that's true. People are going to try it, you know. Now, fortunately, we have the property that's in a landlord state. Now, if you're in a uh, tenant state like Washington or New, New York, York um, California. California, you know, places like that where they actually side with the tenant, it, you, you really. Well, we'll say some districts in those states. Well, no, the states are landlord states. That's why a lot of people, you know. But we don't want to get political. No, we're not getting political. It's just, it's just. I'm just saying, if you're in a landlord, I mean, a, a tenant state, a lot, a lot of those laws cater more to the tenant. So it's a little bit harder for you to try to get them out on certain things. Like Seattle, when they was implementing, like all them crazy laws, like they extended the notice time, and they can go without paying your rent for certain things, or they can. Um, squatters had certain rights and just crazy. Yeah, it was. It um, was really crazy so, out there. Yeah, just be mindful. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later as far as uh, landlord tenant laws. Um, but yeah. So yeah, let's get into it. All right, y'all. We're going to get into the show. Now, we promised y'all that we would uh, talk about managing a property. So we're going to talk about on site managing the property on site. Now, managing the property on site, living on site, it can be a difficult dance. I mean, you have to, there are things that norm that you normally don't have to worry about when you own a home that you would have to worry about or concern, I don't want to say worry, concern yourself with when you live on site. For instance, um, having a rapport between different tenants because you have to handle some tenants you have to handle you know with care some you don't have to babysit um some you you have to practically raise you have to you know get them trained i don't want to say like a dog but you have to you know train them like a child like literally some people don't have the responsibility in and um couth when it comes to speaking to people um you know, such as an owner or an investor uh, living on site. And you also have to be very uh, cautious about how it, how it is that you live as a uh, landlord, because if the tenant sees you doing something and you're telling them you shouldn't do this, but you're doing it, they're going they to be like, wait a minute, hold up. But you just did that yesterday. Like if you, if you roll up, you know, in the driveway or parking lot of your building and your music is super loud and you got hit, your music is hitting 
And then you tell your tenant, no, nah, you, you can't do that. And they're going to be like, well, you just did. You just rolled up the other day. You know, your music was loud and you having parties and you drinking and, you know, and, and you got the police over there and you're the, you know, you're the landlord. If they see that, you know, some people are going to try to emulate what you're doing because they're those types of people or they're going to they're going to be like, look, I can't live here anymore because you are a party animal and you're disrespectful and, you know, they're just going to get out of that situation. So you have to be very cautious about how it is that you live and things that you share with them. We were very cautious about that. Um, you can be friendly, but you are not their friends. You because opening that door will allow the tenant to think that if I'm ever in a situation my landlord is going to, you know, um, show favor. And it's not that you're being cold or anything. You just don't want to open that door and, and let them think that you're their friend. And then they try to take advantage of that. That's one thing that you absolutely do not want to happen. What What are your thoughts on this, Ramon? No, I mean, I agree. Like I said, once you open that door, it's hard to close it. Once they see you do things... Um, that may be in their lease that they can't do, then they feel like, well, you know, like you said, if you, you do it, so then I can do it. And mm -hmm. then, then you'll cause a friction because you're going to look like a hypocrite. Right. And then you're going to look like a bad manager. And so, like you said, they either want to move or you'll have this rift between each other to where you're going to end up having to put them out. Or, you know, it just be a bad... Um, relationship landlord tenant relationship so it's best to just treat it as such as which it is as a business even though it is your home it doesn't mean that you can't do what you want to do right. but just know that it'll have consequences um if you just kind of treat it like it's just you like your tenants is watching you you're yeah. watching your tenants but your tenants is really watching you because mm -hmm. a lot of times they're trying to see what it is that they can do and what they can do what they can get away with what they can't get away with. If you don't say anything about it, they're going to do it again. <laughs> and that's just a fact of the matter. So, um, like you said, managing on site, especially, you know, really when you talk about FHA, you have to, right? Because it's an owner-occupied loan. Any owner-occupied loan that you get, obviously you have to be on site. So, um, it's not something that I, it, I'm, I'm crazy about doing, but, because we knew what we were trying to do, um, it just made it easier for us to do it. So, um, you know, my if I had my choice, I probably would never live on site. Ever. But, again, that's not to discredit it and uh, discourage people from doing it. Because, again, this is a game of wealth. And a lot, and to get that, there's going to be things that you're going to have to do and be willing to do that nobody else wants to. Right. And that's why certain people have things versus the other ones who don't because there's some people who say oh man i would never live on site i don't want to deal with tenants and i don't want to deal with this and deal with that and that's fine you may not you know acquire anything meanwhile you know those people who are willing to do that those are the people who acquire things and don't necessarily struggle so um yeah and considering too um our tenants we inherited so when we purchased the property those tenants were already 
living um, living in their units. Uh, one had lived there for, at the time when we bought it, 12 years. The other one, I think, like five. And the, the uh, most recent person had lived there one year, a little over one year. So we had, you know, um, no, not even one year. She was a couple of months. Yeah, she was yeah, a couple like of months. months yeah. yeah, like four months. Um, so they had already lived there before we purchased the property. So they were aware of, you know, like structural things and um, the neighborhood. Uh, just, you know, they were aware of a lot of things. So we had to go in there, introduce ourselves to them. So um, we introduced ourselves and, and we we set at that time the boundaries. You know, we did let them know um, and it was formal. You know, we went, shook some hands. Hey, how you doing? We're so-and-so. Here's our card if you have any questions. And then we put, I think, something like a newsletter on their door that told them where to send the rent checks. Um, That's the first thing you want to do. (laughs) When you take over a property, the first thing you want to do, like the day you close, right after you sign them papers and you get those keys, you go to the property, like she said, and introduce yourself to the tenants. And give them, which is basically kind of like she said, like a newsletter, which is stating who you are, your name, um, stating that you're the new owners, where to send rent checks, you know, how they're going to be collected, the form of payment that you'll accept, um, letting them know, uh, like, where where their money will be held as far as security deposits. Yeah, like what bank. Um, Because you have to let them know that. Yes. and just whatever the owner, you know, there's a couple other things, but you're basically just going in there and say, hey, look, because when when the property is being sold, that's their question is, okay, who's these new owners and where am I going to have to pay rent? And especially if you're closing around the first of the month, you want to do that immediately because you don't want them holding the rent saying, well, hey, I didn't know where to send the rent to. Right. You want your so, money. so Yeah, you want to set that, uh, that uh, president's. At you know the moment, like you said, the moment you signed your all your closing paperwork and you've got the keys in your hand and it's your property. And at that time too, um, when we went there, you know, with our business cards and you know shook hands and stuff like that, we also checked keys. Yes, you want to make sure the keys that you were given at closing are actually the keys to the each unit. So as you go in there and you talk to the tenant before you leave. You double check and make sure those keys work. And you make sure how many keys that you have per unit. If there's a mailbox key, if there's a garage key, you want to make sure all of that matches with uh, what the lease says. Because if and when that tenant moves out, you want to make sure you get all the keys, even though you're changing the locks anyway. Right, right. And also, um, when it comes to rent checks, how the tenant pays rent, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're very um, vocal about how it is that you will be accepting rent. Now, our tenants knew from day one, we set that precedence. Look, we live here, but we both work and we don't want to you know, be stopped or disturbed. I mean, hi, hello, of course, how you doing? But if you're going to stop and have a full on conversation with us, that's not happening. So we had a whole operation um, and we let our tenants know this is how we operate. Your rent is due on the first. Now, of course, you know, 
there are um, those grace period. grace period days. You know, it's different for everyone. So you let your tenants know what their grace period is. But for us, I think it was like three days or whatever. So they knew that if your check wasn't in by a certain date, you were going to be charged late rent. That does not mean that you could stop me or Ramon and say, hey, here's the rent check. No, 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 no. You were sending that to our P.O. box. So I did do. not like that. We didn't accept <laughs> cash in hand and we did not accept checks in hand. So let us, let's, let's explain real quick mm-hmm. why we did that and the method. So as far as cash, most owners would tell you to don't accept cash. Um, there's uh, numerous reasons why. Um, for us, I know a big thing was that they're always going to pay at the last minute. And two, I don't want them, I don't, we didn't want handling cash like that. Right. So, you know, something happened between us getting to the bank or whatever the case. Um, and then also, you don't want people to see you exchanging t- funds. Yeah, exchanging funds. Yeah. Because then, you know, they know, okay, every first of the month, we know they got some money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how people get their house broken into and all kind of crap. Right. So um, we did not accept cash. Uh, we didn't accept rent in person. Uh, we only did it a few times, which was really like around the holidays. A couple of times we did that because we know depending on what day the holiday falls on, it can get delayed by the mail and all that crap. So we said, we'll take it. But we made them, we made it known this is not a habit. This is not the, the form of uh, way that we're going to accept rent. Yeah, this is not the way we operate. We're doing this today as an exception. This is, you know, this is an exception to the rule. Now, we didn't, we weren't being assholes. Like, you know, because some people say, well, if you live on site, why don't you just take, take it in hand? It's like, no, because most of the time, they're going to pay you at the last minute. Well, not but, only that, you don't want them to constantly be knocking on your door. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, disturbing time, your life. Yeah, so you have to you have, you have to set a method. Like you said, you have to have a method, okay? Because the owners before us, that's how they accepted rent. They, they, they mailed it in. So we said, well, nothing is going to change. You're just going to mail it to somewhere different now, which is our P.O. box. We did not have any mail for the property coming to our physical address. Now, that's your choice if you guys don't care. We did not want that which we really found out why, because we had a real uh, retarded mailman who <laughs> didn't know how to separate the mail, you know, based on the address. So there was a couple pieces of mail, I think like our insurance, yeah. something with the property that went to one of our tenants, and they would have to come and give us, like, hey, this is in our mailbox. You don't want that, because you get the wrong tenant, and they know all your information, you right. know, and they might use that against you. So we only had other e- uh, other mail that did not uh, pertain to the property to come to that address. But really, we had most of our mail come to a P.O. box. And that's kind of like a suggestion. You're living on site, just get you a P.O. box and have all your mail go there. Um, we did give them the option to pay online. Now, I don't know if any of them used it. No, they none did. of them. Well, one of them, she wouldn't use it because she was an older lady mm-hmm. and she said she didn't want to deal with the internet. And then she was like, well, can you come over here and show me? And I'm like, you know what? Just keep doing it the way you were doing it before. This <laughs> <laughs> is turning into something else. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, we gave them the option, pay it online or just mail it. And 
you know, so that's the way that we, we accepted the rent. So um, that's kind of our take on how we do, you know, the forms of rent that we take. Because some people, like she said, some people don't like to do it online. They either don't have a bank account or they do and they just feel funny about doing it. So they just rather get it an uh, envelope and a mail or a, a stamp. <laughs> and, you know, because now I'll tell you this, though. One of the tenants that um, you said that did not like to use the internet, mm-hmm. she paid us late one time. <laughs> I'm sorry. That situation is so, you have to know this tenant to know why I'm laughing. But go ahead, Ramon. Yeah, she paid us late one time. And we'll talk later about how to handle that. But she paid us late one time. She normally had never paid us late. She was actually Ever. a Section 8 tenant. Yes. So I think her portion, like, it. It changed a couple of times. Like at one time, I think she was paying like $120-something a month. And Section 8 was paying the rest. Then she moved up to uh, 4 something a month, 441 And then she moved back to like 2 something. But anyway, she was never late. But one time, she was late. Like we didn't get her check. It was like nine days that went by. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what's going on with her. But we, we served her a notice, you know. She ended up coming to our. <laughs> she knocked, she knocked on, our, on door. our door. She never left her house. Mm, she knocked on our door and was like, "Hey, I got this late notice, you know," and we said, "Hey, <laughs> we never got your check, so you know you, you owe us fifty dollars plus rent." And she said, "I don't know what happened. I know I mailed it off." And I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry, but we can't control the mail. You know, we always said your your lease states that we need to receive your rent." by a certain date how you get it to us is on you um but we allowed her i think to write another check mm-hmm. yeah write another, write another check. check and then i told her if that check shows up which i think it did we would just void it um but you know in that case too i think i don't know if we even charged it delay rent. no we didn't because we knew what type of postal worker we were dealing with mm-hmm. so. yeah because i had to stop the talk to the postal worker but anyways that's neither here nor there so yeah you guys pick how you want to handle the rent as far as what kind of payment you accept some people is okay with cash some people only like to do online some people okay with taking it in person you know or just by the mail we only did it by mail or online there was no we didn't make exceptions for cash we that was a big no yeah because one of the things came to me one night after I got word and it's dark and I opened up my car door, and I just felt somebody behind me. And, you know, you kind of, like, want to swing on somebody because, you know, I didn't know who this was. It was night. It was dark. And he's coming over to give me a, a, his rent check. <laughs> he was whispering, hey, Ramon, hey, Ramon. He was an alcoholic, too. Yeah, so he, he was kind of character. Yeah, he was crazy. But, you know, things like that you want to avoid. Especially if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a woman, you know, and let's say you're a single owner or, or what have you, you don't want to put yourself in situations like that, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of our two cents. So, we'll talk about uh, what we talking about next. Maintenance. Maintenance. How to handle maintenance requests. So, with our maintenance requests, we handled that like kind of like rent. We gave the tenants the option, and we set the precedence <laughs> the day we closed. Um, we let them know that with a maintenance request, they could mail us a maintenance request. You know, if for some reason it was just like, you know, something so minor, it did not have to be fixed immediately. 
but we really, really, really um, pushed or, you know, made a very strong suggestion, I'll say, a very strong suggestion that they call and leave us a message. I didn't like to do business by text messaging, um, but Ramon would, and he primarily handled the maintenance requests anyways. So uh, we suggested that they email us, you know, for because there was one lady that would email um, her maintenance request um, or, you know, like I said, there was another person. She sent a couple in the mail. She just wrote a list of things that, you know, in her um, unit that needed to be fixed. Now, mind you, she had lived there for 12 years and the person next to her lived there five years. Um, so they had lists of things that they had sent us or, you know, if it was something like a, a, an emergency call, you know, call, leave a voicemail. Uh -huh. And with those emergency requests, how, how are those supposed to be handled, Ramon? So one tenant, and I know this is supposed to be like one of the biggest fears, uh, for people as far as landlording, um, because they said, well, I don't want to get those, those late night phone calls two o'clock in the morning to fix the toilet. We never got that. Let me just say that. Not say that it doesn't happen, but we never got that. Yeah, but we um, got a maintenance request on our wedding day. We did. <laughs> but we 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 got them. We got a couple of them different times. Yeah. But we yeah one yeah like you said on a wedding day, was that was that uh the the wall. Oh yeah, that was that was matter. the electrical, and thank God my dad was there because my dad is an electrician. Okay, so no, so take that back. We got one, the pipe in the wall in one of the bedrooms busted. It oh, was it was the outside faucet, that. so it was it. I don't know how it happened, but it busted inside the wall, and it was it made the whole room in one of the bedrooms wet, and it happened like I guess late at night. So she didn't call us, she texted us. And so when I woke up in the morning, I seen the text and uh, I actually went over there. I actually called the, the plumber. Mm -hmm. He came over there and he just, you know, kind of bust or cut out a wall, uh, a hole in the wall and fixed the pipe. So I had to do the rest of it as far as putting the drywall. I had to go to Home Depot, cut out the drywall, put it back in, all that. And then um, my handyman. <laughs> and then you know you gotta buy one to drive back and all kind of stuff. But you had to, I had to leave. She had to actually leave that wall open for like I think we had to do it for about a week. Yeah. Because anything like that, you know, if uh, something busts in the wall with the water or anything, you don't want to just seal it up right away. You gotta let that dry out because that's how mold uh, starts. Black mold starts. So yeah. um, I told her to leave the windows open, and thankfully it was kind of, it was kind of warm. So mm -hmm. it wasn't real cold outside. Um, so she, I just told her, leave the windows open uh, and leave that. We're going to leave this hole in the wall open for about a week and let it air out. Um, but, yeah, that was one. The other one, we was actually in California. Remember the electric? That was before we went to California. She called us on our wedding day. And my dad went over there with you. Um, oh, yeah, that was one. Yeah, that was, that was the same one, issue. But... We didn't, it didn't get, com the job didn't get completed until we went on our honeymoon. Uh, yeah, we had to actually call an electrician um, and have them go over. 
which is about four hundred dollars. And <laughs> shout out to my electrician, yeah, making money. Right. But uh, he <laughs> he didn't even do anything. He blew out the the box and hit the switch and everything started what do you working. Mean he again. blew out the box. The electrical box. You know, he like vacuumed he, it. No, he just like uh, he said he opened it and I don't know, it blew out some dust or whatever. And oh, so he, he hit the switch. He didn't do nothing. <laughs> he I, was mad. I was mad. I was mad. I'm like, but we could. I could do nothing, you know, because we were in California. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it's good for you to, if you already know people who do maintenance, to establish that um, a team, a team, because a we have team. a, we bought a, a a board, and we would just collect business cards, and uh, if we're driving, and I seen a truck. Um, a plumbing truck or electrician or painter painter and I, I would just take yeah. a picture of it and write it down so what we did was i made uh the little sticky um and i wrote out like plumber electrician uh painter uh you wrote out like little tabs, little tab. and we put it on a bulletin board mm-hmm. and under those tabs like plumber electrician lawyers um mm-hmm. roofers whomever we put business cards under you know each category or each tag Mm. and then we were able to refer to okay we need to call this electrician we need to call this person or this person or that person and we read reviews on everyone that was put on our bulletin board we just weren't collecting cards we and and it helps because diligence right it helps because like you say if something happens you can just go right to that board you say oh we need a plumber and it's called pick one of the business cards. If one ain't available, you call the other one. Um, and one good thing that helped us was one of the plumbers, and some plumbers, uh, some companies will let you do this. Plumbers, electrician, they'll let you put a, a credit card or a debit card on file. So let's say you are out of town, and let's say you can't. Let's say you normally do the you do the maintenance yourself, but you're gone and you can't get there, and a tenant. Uh, let's say it's 100 degrees outside. The tennis AC went out, you know, or um, the electric electrical went out or anything. Plumbing, something happened and flooded their, 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 their carpet. You can call the plumber, electrician, whoever, and have them go out there. And they'll fix it, and then they'll just put it on your car. And, you know, and it's like it's problem solved. This is why, you you know, they say you save money. You know, with these renters, you have your cushion, your um, your reserves. For things like this, because you don't want that to ruin, let's say, your vacation or wherever, you know, you take some time off of yourself and your tenant call you, because that's usually what happens. Right. That's usually the time that you're going to have those calls (laughs) is when you're leaving, because I guarantee you, every time we went somewhere, I don't know if I spoke into existence. (laughs) I hope to say I didn't do it, but we got a call. It was like, it, it was like, it was right on point. It was like, hey. Uh yeah, my 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 electrical went out or, uh you know something. But it wasn't ever anything like I got a leak in the roof or you know my floor is buckling. No, because one remember when the tenant said she uh the shingles flew out because man we was gone and it was oh, uh yeah and I had to fly back home. Had to fly back to Seattle and yes, take care I of that. I do remember that. That was last January. It was um I mean but again yeah. these things happen. Mm-hmm. And like I said, fortunately, YouTube is very helpful because I mean it. I learned how to change a garbage disposal, how to put it in the dryer. I mean things I never did before. 
Yeah. That I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to do. I wasn't, I didn't do all this crap. But I watched YouTube and I figured it out. I changed out uh, the lights, the uh, the electrical outlets. Yeah. I did a few of those. You know, I ain't no electrician. But these, you know, some, you can actually save money. You can save money and you, you do have to be careful about some of the work that you do because, you know, you want to... Definitely make sure that you're not taking up too much of your time trying to do maintenance work. So you have to be very, you know, diligent about how you distribute your time and uh, your money. Because if there is something that's easy enough for you to do, do it. Because the other problem that we had is when we inherited these these tenants, excuse me, they, uh, they had deferred maintenance. So we were fixing a lot of issues all at once. And we had a great maintenance person at that time. But for some reason, after the third or fourth um, time that we used him, he just disappeared. So we had, you know, it was hard to keep a good maintenance person. Like you can find a great electrician, roofer, painter, whatever. Those people where you're paying, you know, some thousands to sometimes, Mm -hmm. those, they're easier to find. But the maintenance guys... For some reason, y'all are weird, crazy, and lazy. Yeah, one you know, one of the hardest things to to find um, and to keep are like contractors, uh, you know, or maintenance guys because they may do good work for you one time or have a good price, and you just gonna. I mean, we went through so many different people; it was crazy, and it was like one guy we. I, <laughs> I had this dude come over to uh, cut some trees down. I had used them before. The first time I used them, everything went cool. He came over, gave me a good price. Two, it was the two trees we <laughs> talked about that fell uh, like two days before we closed. Yeah. Um, I it called, was really nice. Yeah, I called him back because we had some more trees that were kind of leaning, and I just said, you know what, I don't want these to fall on the roof or anything. I need him to come back over and cut them. So he came over. And, you know, he saw the trees that we were going to cut. And I said, hey, listen, cut this one, this one, this one, this one. He gave me a price. I said, what time can you be here tomorrow? Uh, I said, can you be here about 8 in the morning? And uh, he was like, ooh, 8 in the morning. I said, yeah. Is that is that going to be an issue? He said, well, I, mean, I usually don't get up before 10. And I said, well, okay, well, listen. <laughs> you know, I'm paying you. This is supposed to be your business. I, if, you don't, if you come around that time and I have to be at work at a certain time, I, that's that's not gonna work, you know. He kind of kept going back and forth with me about what he doesn't like to do and all that crap. And I said, you know what? Forget it. I'll find somebody else. Well, you gonna make me cut the trees myself? But so he left, and about ten minutes later, I think he thought about it. He came back and knocked on my door. And said, all right, you know, I'll be here tomorrow at eight. I said, all right, that's what I want. You know, because it's a business. You have to, you know, be professional with anybody you use. You got to let them know that listen. It's not being an asshole, but it, at the end of the day, you're I'm paying you to do a service. If you don't, if you can't do that service, and you can't tell me the exact time that you can do it or the time that it fits in my schedule, then I I have to find someone else. Yeah, but it was weird that he asked you what time will work for you, and then you tell him the time that works for you, and you say, "Oh, I don't wake up before 10. It's like what? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> that was that was just that was crazy. And then he cut the trees with no shoes on. He had no shoes on the entire time. He's I was like, man, those, he wants some socks or something? He's one of those people that's kind of like real into nature. Yeah, so like, a tree hugger. Yeah, tree hugger. But um, <laughs> to, to sum this up, 
and we we did speak about this in another podcast. When you buying a property, when you close, I would say within a week, and you you know you probably want to do it the first, if not the second weekend that you buy the property. Go over there, send the send the tenants a letter or call them, and say, "Cause this is what we did, and it really helped." And we told them, "Listen, we want you to write down everything that is wrong with your unit." No matter Any, how, mon, how, yeah. how minute it is, write it down. Anything that's if the toilet is running longer, if if a piece of carpet frayed and it's sticking up, or an outlet don't work, um, anything. Because what you're doing is you're, you know, especially you actually tenant, they're going to be honest. They're going to tell you everything. Like we had one, I mean, she wrote a list of things. Yeah, two pages. But we asked for that because you're saving yourself money in the long run. Because you don't want to, you don't want to get into the tenancy, you know, months down the line. And let's say you had some issues with that tenant and then they won't tell you certain things that's wrong with their unit. And it might be costing you money. So you want to do that in the beginning. Tell me everything that's wrong with your, your unit. And then what we did is we hired a maintenance guy. And when he came over, I gave him a list for every unit. I said, okay, this unit, this is everything I want you to go in and fix. This unit, every, and he, I, he charged me by the hour, which was cool. And he just went unit by unit, and he fixed everything that was on their list. And so that's my suggestion to do, um, you know, set, set aside some little money, you know, when you're going to buy this property. And you're going to know a lot of the stuff, too, when you do the inspection. Right. And you go into each unit and you ask the tenant, hey, you know, that's also what we did, too. Is when we Before we actually closed on the property, when we went through with the inspector and we talked to the tenants and I would say, hey, you know, how is your unit? Is you have any issues with your unit? Sometimes they'll say, no, no, it's cool. And there's nothing, you know, everything works. The other times they'll tell you, no, nah, this don't work, this don't work. And you write that down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of how you tackle um, the maintenance. maintenance yeah and again you with that you always want to make sure that you set the your request of how you want um communication to be established between you and your tenant um, when it comes to maintenance requests and how you accept rent um that that is that is very 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 important so also, um, we want to talk about raising rents because that was one of the things that we had to do um, because our tenants were paying significantly less than what was um, suggested in our area. So we had to go in there, you know, make some minor changes, you know, make sure we get the maintenance request um, completed and uh then we started raising rents. Yep, that's uh. Now also we heard this. You know, we were told this by our mentor at the time, and I read it some places. But one of the first things you do want to do is raising rents. Yeah. You don't want to waste time because when you're selling a property or when you're buying a property, sorry. That's one of the things the tenants is waiting on. They know, okay, this is a new owner. They're probably going to raise rent. They're not waiting on it. They're expecting. They're expecting. It. Yeah, you know what I mean? Same thing. They waiting on. They like. <laughs> I know he' about to raise. So you know, mm-hmm. you have to know your laws. When you can raise the rent, you know, if that person is already on the lease, you can't touch them right. until their lease is up Expired. for renewal. So um, that's one of the first thing you don't want to wait. You don't want to say, "Oh, well, I wait two, three months." Mm-mm. 
get in there and do that for, you know, just, hey, cut them up real good. Just go ahead. Don't even waste time doing it. Just raise those rents. Um, so, yeah, like you said, we had a few. I think every tenant was under market. Yeah, every tenant there was under market, like significantly, because it was at that time when we bought it, I think average rents were around 1300 No. They were. No, well, I'm talking about when we bought it, not when we. You mean the market rent? Yeah, the market rent. No, around the, mark, the time. It was, they uh, was around 1300 There was 12. It was a little over 1200 It was 12? Oh, I thought it was, it was closer it was to a little. It was a little over 1200 like 1225 and $1,250. Um, the highest rent was 1145 um, the last or eleven fifty. I'm sorry, it was eleven fifty. Yeah, it was one. I'm sorry, eleven hundred. Is eleven hundred or the ten forty five? It was ten fifty. Ten fifty. No, yeah, it was ten fifty. <laughs> so yeah, one tenant was eleven hundred. Yeah, one tenant that was ten fifty. You had one tenant that was nine fifty and one that was eight fifty. Correct. We moved in. We moved the tenant out that was nine fifty. Right. And so we so we had to raise all three of those tenants up. To market rent, like you said, about twelve fifty, fifty mm-hmm. ish or whatever. Two of them was Section Eight, and one of them was not. One of them she had just signed her lease three four, four months, months prior, prior to us closing. Um, and we're not gonna talk in depth. We'll have a you know a podcast specifically tailored to Section Eight. But the good thing about Section Eight, especially now, is that it's guaranteed rent. So, and that's probably the easiest rent to to raise because you just fill out the the form send it in and if they feel like it's it's aligned with the market rents it's approved and it goes into effect uh most places 60 days mm-hmm. i think california might be 90. yeah where we lived it was 60. Mm-hmm. um so just uh raise those rent quick <laughs> do it. it when he says raise the rents quick he just means after you Get purchase the property, <laughs> after you purchase the property, you want to make sure that you are letting the tenants know, hey, you know, we're we're purchasing purchasing the property, and we're gonna we're also gonna raise the rent. Now, what Ramon did when he told the tenants that we were raising the rent, he also included a form that um, that indicated what the the average market rent was in that area. Mm -hmm. So they knew if they looked at other properties that were like ours or near the one that we owned, this is how much they were charging. I think that's where I got that $1,300 from because most of them in that area, because that was a residential area and there were condos that were, that was similar to ours that, Mm -hmm. you know, offer the amenities that we offered. Those were thirteen hundred. Well, the funny thing was, the website that I used it was rentometer dot com. Their market rents for that area was like, I'm sorry, it was like twelve seventy, twelve seven, twelve seventy five. But section eight mm-hmm. was paying thirteen. Oh, okay. So we up the two section eight. We up one of she was eight fifty. We moved her up to thirteen hundred. <laughs> we moved the other section eight person from ten fifty to thirteen hundred. Right, and we were able to do this because those two tenants were month to month tenants. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, their uh, leases were month to month. If they had been under a year lease and their lease wasn't up for expiration, we would not have been able to um, 
to raise their rent. To raise their rent. So the other girl, the other lady, she um, she was paying eleven. Her lease didn't go up um, for renewal until the following or the October of the year we bought. Right. So you got to think if you're moving to section eight tenant by that much money, it's not going to hurt them as much because they still can't pay over forty percent of their discretionary income. Right. Whereas an unsubsidized tenant. They paying that full amount, mm-hmm. so to move her from eleven hundred to thirteen hundred, we at first we didn't think that was gonna work, right? Because we kind of did kept going back and forth, like oh, that's a lot for her to pay. But we still got, you know, the taxes high on this property, and we still paying the utilities for all these tenants. Mm-hmm. We need to get that 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 rent. So what we did first, remember, is we went over and talked to her, right? And we said, listen, uh, we gave her the form that shows the market rent. And we say, hey, listen, we like to keep you, um, but you know we have costs that we have to pay. Now the market rent is thirteen hundred. Is that something you think you'd be able to pay? And she said, oh, I can pay that. Yeah, she said because <laughs> she knew in that area mm-hmm. you were paying minimum thirteen hundred for something like our two bedroom, our two bath. bedroom, one bath with the garage, front and backyard. Um, our property was a bit different than other properties that were quadplexes because we didn't have people living on top of each other. You only shared a wall uh-huh. with the person next door. And I mean, like like I said, you had your own front yard, your own backyard, you know, uh, and it was, you know, spacious and, and the property was nice. And we maintained, we made sure we maintained the property according to how, um, we lived uh-huh. so it was always well maintained there wasn't a lot of things going on so she was willing to pay a higher rate because she knew it was worth more than actually we were asking yeah normally you don't want to go up that much but when the tenant is that under market if you know you want that you have to be prepared for them to tell you hey i can't afford that and them to move out uh, like she said, you know, we knew we could get in that area. So it was uh, being her kid went to the school, I think, right behind us. Mm-hmm. You know, she had been in that area. She said she liked that area. Um, she didn't want to move. So and we're good. We were good to our tenants. You know, yes, so we absolutely. like she said, we made sure that any time that they had maintenance requests, we was on it. Um, you know, we, we made sure we kept our because we everybody had to cut their own grass in that. And we cut our own grass. And that's one thing, too. You don't tell every every tenant to keep their grass cutting and your grass is ten feet high. <laughs> we you know, we kept our grass cut looking good. So um And Ramon, you would cut their grass sometimes. The lady next to it because it kinda merged with ours, mm-hmm. so you know, I just I would do it. It wasn't a big deal, but you wanna be good to your tenants. Be good to your tenants, they'll be good to you. Absolutely. In most situations. So Absolutely. So we're gonna move on to serving serving notices. Now this is where it gets funny. Because we served, it seemed like we was always serving notices. Like literally the whole time we own properties, we have always been serving notices. Not because we're trying to be. Sound like we were for the police department. Yeah, like we was trying to police what they were doing because we also want to discuss tenant privacy, but that'll come later. But we were serving notices for things that it's like, why, why would you even think to do this stupid stuff? Okay, for instance, we had one tenant that had like a million pugs. Like they, the ugliest, sweetest dog, the ugliest, sweetest dogs ever. 
and they <laughs> loved pooping in our yard. And I would literally be outside with my dog, well, our dog, excuse me, on a leash, trying to, you know, set the presidents, you know, hey, you want to walk your dog on a leash? And here we see this dog pooping in our yard. Like, they would just be taking a nice little poop, like, hey, you left the door open. You know, like, what's going on? The first time, we just tell them, like, warning, like, hey, you, yeah. you know, you let your dog out, that's fine. Let them poop, let them do that in your yard. Right. They coming over, they, they're crossing over the next door neighbor to her, coming to our yard, like, our grass was just the finest thing to do with them. But I, we had a dog, too, so <clears throat> that might have been the reason why. Right. But, see, they would do it in our our neighbor's yard. Well, no, they would poop in her on her, we'll say, property, her area. Mm. But they would do it right <laughs> in her driveway. Mm, yeah, see, they just had about 18 pugs. And like, every time we went over there, they had an extra pug. Yeah. But they, so the thing was, too, is like she said, the second time they did it, we, we served them a notice. It was like a... $50. It was a fine. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to let them know, listen, don't you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to be walking. I'm cutting grass. I don't want to be walking in no stuff. So, you know, <laughs> you got to, uh, we had to serve them a, you know, a little notice. Yeah. And so they didn't like that. And it's like, well, listen, they tried to say, well, our dog, we, our dog didn't do that. I didn't let him out. So what happened is the dog did it again. And again. And, and again. it just so happened, though, is remember, we had a ring camera. Yes. And we caught him on camera. So we actually sent them the the, the photo. Uh, the you know, it was a photo, and the, the dog, dog squatting <laughs> and <laughs> taking a dump right on our grass. And we had to tell them, you know, we did it a couple of times, and you know, and a lot of times the tenant won't pay these notices. That's the thing; you can't evict them uh, for not paying a notice, especially if they're if they're paying their rent. The thing is, you just wait until they move out, because that's still a fee. That you can now deduct from their deposit, their security deposit, if they don't pay that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and that tenant particularly, that is what we did. Yeah, and then the same tenant, uh, he he had just he had a lot going on mentally. I, we don't want to get into the mental health issues that he had, but he had a caretaker living on site with him. And she wasn't able to control him. So he had a problem with being very belligerent at night and name calling. And one day I was like, I got time for this. So I'm going to fix your ass. <laughs> and he just like stood there, you know, like a child. But um, yeah, he called me the N word. Yeah. Or he well, he called up. us the N word, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I had to let him know what the N word looked like. You call me one too many times, don't get mad when you see one. <laughs> <laughs> he was funny though. He uh, he he was he was harmless, but he yeah. at the same time he was one of those tenants. You just you I had to approach him a couple of times. And say, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I'm not afraid to put you out. Um, you know, there's certain things that we just not gonna tolerate. And again, Section Eight. The good thing about Section 8 is people wait, sometimes they, they'll wait some years to get on a Section, a Section 8, 8 uh, voucher. Yeah. So they don't want to do anything to mess that up. So with him, with that tenant specifically, every time we served them a notice, we also sent that notice to his caseworker. And so what will happen is when we get to the point where we like, hey, we may have to uh, evict this tenant, we call the caseworker. Call Section 8 and say, hey, listen, we have issues with this tenant. 
a lot of times they'll get handled after that because they'll call him and let him know that if you get evicted, you will also get taken off of Section 8. Yeah, people don't want to do anything to jeopardize their Section 8 benefits because they wait, they get put on a list and then you wait years to get a voucher. Depending yeah. if you like, I think if you're like a single woman with a certain amount of kids, you might get bumped up. Yeah, if you have an emergency mm-hmm. voucher. Mm-hmm. But because um, he was, because of his mental situation and he has a caretaker, however, he was able to um, also take care of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of, uh, it was a it was a difficult task to deal with someone like that. And that kind of goes back to managing the property too, because you have to be able to handle you know these different types of people and how they live and it 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 can get a little chaotic Mm -hmm. but you have to it's a business so you have to remain professional at all times so let's say you have a job that you go to every day and they expect for you to excel in customer service you want to do that with your property too but at the same time i am who i am and uh with some of these tenants you know if if they wanted to act to ass, I got to check you because it, it's not going to be too many times that, you know, I'm going to let you yell or cuss me out. I'm, I'm going to, we, we going to establish this, you know, we going to establish this report immediately. This is not, this is not about to go down. This is how you will talk to both, you know, either Ramon or I, you, you're not about to disrespect us. It's just best to keep professional. Like you still can be cordial with your tenants, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Hey, how you doing? And, you know, uh, shoot the breeze, as they say, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's still a business. So you want to keep that, that lines, um, those lines right there, you know, um, you still want to keep the lines of communication open, but you still want to also keep it professional, you know, um, so they know not to get so uh, comfortable to where they'll do certain things to test you because they will. It, it's not it's not really if, it's when. When. And it's how you handle it once they do it, you know, because our tenants... I mean, they did some things sometimes. We just like, oh my god, what? Is, what is seriously? <laughs> and we had to, you know, uh, check them yeah. in a sense. You know, where they'll say certain things, and we tell them in a minute. Listen, I told Kendra all the time. I said, look, if we gotta kick them out, we gotta kick them out. I'll deal with I the was, consequences and of that. What was <laughs> so I'll crazy do. is I was always an advocate for one tenant, <laughs> for one tenant. Well, two. Because they were women and one of them had kids. And they, she paid rent on time. The, and our, none of our tenants, even even the one with all the pugs. The one with the pugs, her house stink. But for some reason, it stunk. Excuse me. Her house stunk. But for some reason, it was clean. Like, everything was orderly. It just smelled like dogs. Yeah, and, you could smell it before you open up the door. Before you open the door. Mm-hmm. But when you, like, look, you're like, man, this is... They got it set up nice in here. It was the cleanest, <laughs> dirtiest people we I ever had. It was weird. Yeah. It just had an odor. That was that was, it was it. a dog. It was, they, the dog would use the bathroom in the house, and they would just leave it there. So it was crazy. Well, but it was weird. But they would clean up everything else. Uh-huh. Yeah. Every like literally everything else would be clean. So it, it just there's just a, a level of professionalism, and you also want to be relaxed. With us, we were relaxed. I don't want to tell people how they should be running their property, but I think you have to, you have to be open, um, because you, you can't live take there. everything personal. Yeah, you can't exactly. And, and Ramon didn't. You know, some things, 
Um, they would catch me on a bad day. I had a bad day at work. And then we can go into our next subject, which is tenant privacy. And then I got to deal with two yelling teenagers that we share a wall with. Now, mind you, the walls weren't that thin, so I couldn't hear everything that was going on. But for some reason, the tenant that we shared a wall with, she had children and she had two girls and they argued and fought all the time. Yeah, she had two girls and a little boy. She actually had three son, two sons, but one didn't live. He, he was living there periodically. Yeah. Um, but he did kind of live there. And that's the other issue, real quick. <laughs> Kids. Is, is, well, yeah. But you'll have people living in a unit that are not on the lease. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you can't catch that. Um, living on site, you, you, you may be able to. If you see them over there every day for like, a month straight, then you know, okay, you must live here. Then you just approach the tenant. Hey, you know, I'm seeing this person has been there. Are they are they living there? And they'll say no. You say, okay, well, you know, I just want to remind you, you know, you know, they you can't have no extra tenant unless it's approved, might be. So, um, and that's all written in the lease. Like yeah. we had all this written out in the lease. And for us, it was a big deal because we paid the utilities. Now, if they pay their own t- utilities. I may not have said anything, you know, as long as they're respectful and they don't cause no issues. I may not say nothing, but we pay the utilities, which means extra people is extra money right. that we're paying and you not paying that on your rent. So um, we, we had to, you know, kind of approach them. But like you said, the, the, the wall sharing, it was an issue because she had two girls that fought all the time all the time police was called there a couple times a couple which times. is you know yeah. they may happen you know in one of your units um a couple several times yeah a couple several <laughs> times we had to go over there and we you know the thing was is that the mom was never the issue it was her kids it was her two daughters and the son who periodically lived there they were the ones that were causing the issue and it got to the point where you know i had to Go, you know, talk to the tenant like, hey, um, you on the verge of getting put out. I no, don't know. she wasn't on. The, she was getting put out. Well, you were advocating for me not to do it. Yeah. And I was telling you, I said, look, <laughs> she yeah. is calling problems and she making the property look bad because it seemed like the police was over there at least a couple times a month. Right. Because when we called the cops one time uh, for an incident, we just happened to be at home. And heard some screams and some yelling and then a window busted. We heard all this at home. Mm. And we called the police and they were like, kind of, it was kind of like, we're coming there again? Is this a legitimate issue? And we like, again? <laughs> yeah, they, we didn't know they were there before. And I guess it was at, uh, late at night or something. We might have been sleeping. And they, yeah, they broke the window in the living room and they put a hole in one of the bedroom's door. Now, the way to handle that, this is what I did. Went over there and I seen it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that hole definitely wasn't there before. And that window definitely wasn't broke. So I called a a, a, mirror, uh, a glass company. They came over and replaced the, the window in the living room. It was about $600, mm-hmm. I think it was. And the hole in the door, I actually went to uh, Home Depot, bought another door. And I put the door up myself. And I just... The cost of it, I, we put it on the letter and gave it to the tenant and said, you not owe this. And she paid it. 
But those weren't the only repairs. It was like yeah. every month she was paying extra money yeah. for a repair that her daughter, one of her daughters, mm-hmm. it wasn't really the boy, mm-hmm. her oldest son. It mm-hmm. was one of her daughters. Do- I mean, these girls, they they was like yeah. Layla Ali, the way they was fighting each other. They, they were they were, they were were crazy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and she got mad at me, you know, the, the mom. You know, she got mad. Cause Thought I was you like, a Nazi. Yeah, she called me a Nazi. Cause, a water Nazi. A water Nazi. Because I'm like, you know, you can't have, you know, your whole family that we don't know about over there. You know, we're paying the utilities. And you got extra people. You know, we were seeing the bill going up. Like, well, no, she had all those kids over there because she was having those pool parties every day. Yeah, I think we mentioned and we had like outside, literally every day. Everybody had outside faucets, so I think I came home one time and she had one of those kiddie pools in the driveway, um, filling water up, and I was, you know, I had to stop that immediately. Like, uh, I'm yeah, sorry, it was this a whole this, neighborhood full of kids. Yeah, this pool, <laughs> this, this probably didn't come with no pool. Your tent, your your unit don't come with a pool, so. Um, unless you paint it. So I, you know, and what cut that out is I actually gave, um, I think I actually talked to the tenants and gave them an option. Like we can, um, what well, a good thing is everybody had their own water heater. If, if, if every unit has their own water heater, you can do what they call sub metering. And um, the price differs, you know, depending on where, but what it is, they can put um, this little device on the water heater and it can track the usage of your uh, water that the tenant is using. So then you can bill them for what they use. And we had contemplated doing that a few times. Um, Section 80 was a little tricky, but um, we contemplated doing that because we said, listen, you know, you guys are using up a lot of water. So what we did is we just, no pools. But really to fix all that is I went on to Amazon and I bought some locks uh, that goes onto the faucet. And I put them on all the outside faucets. And they didn't like that because one of the tenants, he liked, he had a garden. Mm-hmm. You know, well, how are we going to uh, water our garden? I said, well, they, you can get one of those spray bottles, put some water in it, and go out there and spray, spray the water <laughs> on the plant. Oh, my yeah. God! I mean, you ain't about to use these faucets. You crazy. These water, it's not, man, listen, the water, we were paying about, at one time, when we first got the property, I looked at the bill. I that remember seeing like almost nine hundred dollars. Yeah, one of those bills was nine hundred. And I was like, "What in the hell? What, is, what kind of water is they using?" But <laughs> right. They had like one of the toilets was co- uh, consistently running. A couple of the outside faucet had leaks in it. These are things that run up the water bill. So we went there and knocked all that down and got that bill to like three something a month, three fifty or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't like when I put those locks in the water faucet. But I said I'll only take it off if you're going to pay your own bill. If you're not, those locks are staying on. You're not going to be using up that water. And people in the neighborhood, we didn't even know, yeah. coming up, getting water out the faucet. I'm like, but y'all crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it, it, that's what we did. So, But as far as the privacy, like I said, you want to give your tenants privacy. Even though they arguing and stuff like that, it's hard to give them their privacy, you know, when you can hear it. But, you know, some things we didn't address, some things we didn't talk about, we didn't get into their own stuff. We let them have their privacy because that's what you want to do. Yeah, like, um, for instance, uh, our tenant had a party, um, not a full on party, but it was just, you know, a small little gathering with her and her family and they weren't outside late. It ended, you know, at a reasonable time, they weren't playing their music, you know, too loud. So things like that, we're not gonna, you know, keep up with, oh, well, your lease says, you know, music needs to be turned off by 10 o'clock. 
we we didn't do that. If it was a Saturday, you know, weekend day and, and people want to relax and just live. I mean, we did give them some. I mean, we let a lot of stuff pass. We did. We let a lot of stuff because we wanted them to be able to be like, this is my home. And, and not we're not constantly policing them as landlords. So, um, you and, know, I, th- I think that, you know, that is a. Depending on where you live, too. You yeah, know, some stuff is just that's what happen. I was thinking. Depending <laughs> on where you live and the type of person that you are. But, you know, I've heard stories of landlords that really police their tenants and they went through tenants all the time. Like people were like, uh-uh, I can't live here. I got to move out. Our tenants, you know, they they were like, hey, you know, I like this. Um, it was almost like most times that we didn't even live there because they were still, you know, doing things. But if if I see you doing something or if Ramon sees um, a tenant doing something that is just, you know, it's just not right. We, we can't, you know, abide by that. We did say something. We would say something to them first. We would give them a warning. And if it continued, that's when we got in your pockets. That's when you got those, you know, um, those violation mm-hmm. fifty dollars or a hundred or whatever you gotta enforce that too yeah because they they'll man they'll test you i mean because some things like certain tenants they'll do something one time and when you check them on it then they won't do it no more you know uh what you call it no uh she was playing the music that that loud one night and i kept hearing it <laughs> That was too funny. I was like, Ramon, what is that bass? Somebody outside playing their car. Like one guy, he used to just park his car. He wasn't our tenant. He was across from us. He used to park his car. And this would be early in the morning. He'd drive up, park his car, turn the music up. He had some bass in it and sit on the hood and just just dump it. And it'd be like 8, 9 in the morning. I'm like, what in the heck? You know, I had to call the owner like, bro, can you get this dude? Because I don't know where he (laughs) think he at. He on the beach or something, but... Yeah, I went to the sheep was playing music. It was probably about two in the morning, and I kept. This is our elderly tenant. Yeah, the one that paid rent on time. She, you know, never was really a a big problem, but I kept. I I I heard the music, but I'm like, okay, let me go outside because whoever this is, I got to say something to him. And I hear the music. I'm like, okay, it sounds like it's coming from her unit. And I got closer to her unit, and I got closer to the door, and I'm like, okay, this is her. I was like, oh no. I'm not gonna do. Hey, hey. She <laughs> the funny thing was she opened the door and she cracked it and she stuck her head through the door and I can see some smoke come out. I'm like, what in the hell is y'all doing in there? Can you cut that music down? Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, oh my god. She was in there getting John yeah. Blaze. Damn well, it. you know what? I better not say that because that means different things in different places. Right. Well, but she know. was in there with Snoop Dogg and Cypress Hill, Listen, boy. She was having. A, uh, she had the smoke fest in right. her apartment. I'm, and I'm, we was I'm, in Seattle too. Yeah, I'm, you know, and you know, we could have, we could have taken to another level, but mm-hmm. it was funny, and and you know, she turned it down. She knew, she knew to turn it down, so. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't we didn't take it further. You know, so some things like I say, you just kind of pick and choose what you want to say about. Um, you know, you don't want to become a Nazi for real, where you saying something about every little thing that they're doing. You don't want to nitpick, right? Um, but certain things you want to let let them understand was tolerated and was not. I think for us, when we said that we don't, when we say we didn't nitpick, the things that would have affected value. In our property, those are the things that we addressed immediately. 
But if you having a couple people over, you know, on a weekend day and y'all just barbecuing, having fun, we ain't about to disturb that. Unless it's like, you know, it's late at night on a weekday and, and you being belligerent like one of our tenants was. If you're being belligerent or you, you're affecting how someone else lives. But if you're respectful and, you know, you just enjoying, you enjoying your life, you know, do you. But um, with that, with the tenant privacy too, that also allowed us to have our privacy. Mm-hmm. Because if we implement things where we are policing every little thing that they do, guess what the tenants are going to do? They're going to do the same thing. That 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 attitude is gonna be reciprocated. So, like I said, if any if if there was anything to, um, I'll just use this word, depreciate the value of the property that um, that was caused by the tenants, we would we would police that. But anything else outside of that, and we really didn't care about. Um, and another thing too about tenant privacy is. You got to make sure that the communication is set because if you have no standard to privacy, the tenant will disturb you at any time. Because I remember like one day I'm going, um, I was getting ready to go to lunch on my lunch break and a tenant stopped me for a maintenance request that, you know, we had already Hey, you know, communicated with her. Hey, it's going to be fixed on this day, blah, blah, blah. But she just liked to talk. And, you know, I'm standing there and I'm like, I wish she shut up. I'm hungry. And we've already told you what we were going to do when it's going to be fixed, blah, 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 blah. Now, see, that kind of goes into the tenant privacy because that affects your privacy as the landlord. So I had to let her know, yes, this is getting fixed. You know, I addressed the issue immediately. Mm -hmm. And I had to also let her know, please don't stop me unless it's an emergency. Because you're stopping me on my time when I have, you know, when I'm working. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, is there anything else that I can do for you? If there is, please give me a call. <laughs> you it. know? That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one real quick. All right. So keeping records. So with all the <laughs> violations that we had, we had to figure out a way to keep records, which, um, Initially, it was a little difficult because we did a lot of things um, on paper, but eventually we got into a system where we were able to keep all the tenant records in one place. So we Mm -hmm. had to use a platform, um, a free service, and and it's an excellent tool for landlords or uh, property managers. So uh, we were able to keep like their leases, um, any violations that we handed to them, any com- any communication, like when the lady stopped me on my lunch break, I put that in this database, you know, saying, hey, so-and-so stopped me at this time. We discussed this, blah, 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 because it saved my, you know, it saved my butt just in case, you know, something happened where there was um, a lawsuit or whatever. So you want to make sure that you're keeping records in a way that um, is, is very you want to be diligent about how you keep records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely want to keep records. Like I said, we use a program called, uh, was it Tenant Cloud? Tenant Cloud. There's a bunch of them too, but we just happen to like that one. Um, and you can keep all the information with the leases, um, any uh, expenses, maintenance requests, 
um, anything really. You can keep it in there and you can separate it tenant to tenant and property to property. Um, and like she said, you really want to keep records because, like you said, any any conversation that we have with a tenant outside of, hey, how you doing? If it has anything to do with something that they did, um, yeah, anything that substantial, substantial that they were they were doing that we felt like we may have to submit a notice uh, to them or um, something about rent or anything like that, we we kept we wrote it down. We wrote the time, the day that we talked to them, because like you say, if any if the time comes where um, you have to evict that tenant or they're moving out and there's some issues with the security deposit or whatever the case, you want to have records. And, you know, we end up having to go to court uh, with the one of the tenants were the ones that we we had to vacate when we moved into the property um, because they I mean, the unit was just disgusting. It, yeah, it was disgusting. Um, and we had to use their security deposit. They didn't they actually owed us. And obviously, you know, they had they felt some way about that. So we had to go to uh, mediation. Yeah, he disputed uh, the amount that he owed for. <clears throat> for the repairs, they get a certain on the amount unit. of time. Yeah, they get a certain amount of time to dispute it, and so when you go to court, um, what the what they suggest that you do is you try to mediate the issue with the tenant first. If you decline to mediate and you just want to go straight to court, if you're in a, a tenant state, if you're in a tenant state, um, a lot of times the judge will look down on that. So if they say, well, you just bypass trying to mediate it with the tenant, they may side with the tenant. Right. So we had to go to mediation first. And I don't believe it was a cost for that. Um, if it was, it wasn't that much. Um, but that's just a, a time when you go in there and it's you and the tenant or tenants and the mediator. And they're just giving the, um, the, the option for you guys to just kind of hash it out and come to an agreement. You know, they feel like, hey, you took all my deposit. I should have had this much back. Or, you know, you like, no, you did this, this, and this. So that one tenant, I went into the mediation um, like Johnny Cochran. Yeah, see, that's the importance of keeping keeping records and having a paper trail, basically saving your ass. Uh, um, I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, I went and bought, I think I went to Walgreens, bought this little... It looked like a little, uh, <laughs> now it was binder. Yeah, yeah, it looked like a mini briefcase. <laughs> and I had pictures of the unit when they moved out. I had their move in sheet, you know, that stated what the condition of the unit was when they moved in. We had notices, or not notices, but we had, uh, I had their lease. I the had move a out sheet. Mo- yeah, I said the move in, the move, yeah, the move in and move out sheet. Um, and then all the cost of everything that we had to pay for. Everything was itemized. Everything was itemized. So when I when we went into the mediation, you know, and I I was rehearsing what I'm gonna say, you know, <laughs> I man, I was into it because I said I ain't paying these people nothing, you know. Um, so we went into the mediation, and you know they like, hey, you know, I think we should have got something back, and I put that little mini briefcase on the table, and the mediator like, all right, well, hey, you know, how about this? How about I speak to the tenants alone? And, you know, you guys go out in the hall and we'll, I'll see if we can just kind of come to an agreement. And we came back in and I think we only ended up paying him like $125 yeah. just to go ahead and get rid of it, you know. But I, they didn't, he wanted me to leave the briefcase there. And I was like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not about to see what's in this unless I need to pull it out because I was, I was prepared. We had, like she said, we had everything. If we had to go to court, there was, not, there was no way they were going to win. 
Um, but that's because you want to keep record. And that's not the only reason, but you do want to keep that because there may be a time where you have to evict the tenant or you have some issues with the tenant when they move out. That's that's probably one of the biggest issues when tenants move out is because you're going to have to take money or keep money to fix something in that unit, and they're going to always dispute it. And so uh, you just really want to keep good records. Keep folders on your computer um, where you keep all your notices for each tenant. Um, any property forms, keep that in a separate, separate folder. So if you need to serve them a notice for late rent or violation or anything, you go in that folder and print that form out, fill it out, and give it to them. We also kept paper copies, too, of any notices that we serve because there's a whole process that you have to go through to serve, well, in the state that we lived in, to serve a notice. Mm-hmm. So um, we made sure that we were very um, very, diligent about, very diligent about how we serve the notices, you know, keeping um, the master copy for ourselves, uh, uploading it, keeping an electronic copy, and then having a pa- an actual paper copy in the tenant's folder in a locked storage, you know, Yes, you cabinet. definitely want to get you a locked cabinet. Like, uh, I think we got one from Ikea that has a, a lock on top mm-hmm. of the cabinet and, you know, a couple of drawers, and you, that's what you want to keep. You want to separate it all. You want to keep all your taxes, information, anything with each tenant, you want them to have their own folder. So if you need to go in there for anything that pertains to that tenant, it is very easy and simple to get it to, to get to it. So, um, just make sure you're organized. You don't yes. want to be, because there's so many people, as far as landlords, that are unorganized. Yes. They don't have all their documents. They're missing some things. So when you go to buy the property, they don't have no move-in sheet. They don't have nothing on this tenant. If you're inheriting tenants, that's that can look like your worst nightmare because you don't have anything on this tenant. You know, So um, just make sure you keep good records. Absolutely. And then uh, another thing, too, is you want to understand um, the tenant-landlord laws in your area. Um, you're not an attorney, unless you are, <laughs> but we are not attorneys. We don't work in the legal field, so we had to make sure that when we were interpreting things, that we were being consultant, you know, con- consulted on them, and we... Um, established relationships with people in um, a rental organization for land, you know, specifically for landlords and investors um, that allowed us to use their property sheet form. So if we were writing up a new lease mm-hmm. or if we had to evict someone or uh, serve any sort of notice, we were referring to um, this website, this rental website for landlords and we were getting the um, notices and such from that website um, that were that was completed by attorneys. So these these were uh, legal documents that we did not draft ourselves. They were drafted by attorneys. We just you know made sure we filled it out. And as I said before, kept an electronic copy, gave a copy to the tenant, and then kept um, a paper copy for our uh, tenants' folders. And that's the cheapest way to do it because you can get you an attorney and let them draw up um, all these forms for you specifically tied to your property, Um, but it can get a little costly. So the best thing is to find a rental association, which most states, there's a rental association um, that you can join 
the, the cost varies how much it is per year, but you'll get access to all the property forms that you need to run that business. Um, any late rent notices, leases, addendums, all of that will come with your rental association. And then they'll have, they'll also have a lot of your rental association has classes um, um, that you can go to. And they'll, that class might be specifically about uh, what to do when a tenant is moving out or how to do a move in of the tenant, how to screen tenants, like certain things that just help you. And I went to a lot of them. Um, and all of this is tax deductible. So you're not really losing. You're getting information. You're getting educated. And it's, and you can write it off on your taxes. Right. Um, but you really need to know and understand the landlord-tenant laws because you don't want to find yourself in some hot water, especially in one of these tenant states uh, where you do something wrong. Um, and, you know, because if you don't serve a notice the right way and you take that tenant to court, you pay the lawyer to do an eviction, let's say. If you didn't serve that notice the right way, when you get to that judge, he's going to throw it out, and now you got to start all the way back over. So it's really important that you know how to serve notices and you know the landlord-tenant law. Um, and if you have to consult an attorney, it's best you do. Um, or anyone in a rental association. There's a lot of rental associations that have people that have been uh, investing in properties for years, and they're very knowledgeable about all this stuff. So um, I suggest you get with the rental association in your local area. And absolutely. And also familiarize yourself with uh, the landlord-tenant laws. But if you're not an attorney, don't play an attorney because that you could easily get sued. You could easily do, the, do or say um, something that is incorrect and that you cannot be legally justified as to why you did what you did. So you always want to make sure that you're consulting someone or that you have, um, I guess, like, Ramona and I are, are, are a part of associations um, that allow us to um, use the benefit of having an attorney. Yeah, like that tenant didn't pay your rent. You're like, oh, I'm going to cut his utilities off. <laughs> <laughs> we actually Yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah we, we ain't going to get to that. But look, you can't do that. You know what I'm oh, saying? In Lord. most states, I don't even know if there is a state, but like, you cannot do that. If it looks like you did that. Even if they haven't paid rent even since if they have, March, yes, April, May, you, June, July. You can't five do Five months. It. You can't turn their utilities off. You have They're not to, supposed to be um, there, but for some reason, she's still there. You have to go through the proper channels and to evict that tenant for non-payment of rent. Mm. Don't get me wrong. You're going you gonna to be like, man, I can just fix this and this. It's it's winter time. It's gonna cut their heat out. <laughs> right. They're gonna leave, but you cannot. They will make you turn that back on. Mm-hmm. You have to pay, and in some states, it is a criminal charge. Yes. So um, that is kind of one of those things where if you don't know that tenant law, that landlord tenant law, and if you in a tenant state, you can find yourself uh, in some hot water. Yeah. So. All yeah. Right. See that that was very personal for us, but um, <laughs> that goes yeah. into also how you manage your property. Now, we talked about managing the property, the experience of it, but do you want to self-manage your property or would you prefer to have a property manager? Now, we are doing and have done both. Uh Yeah, so we have a property manager uh, for one of our properties and then we've self-managed our own properties. Yeah, it's... it's, uh... It's really circumstantial, like, because some people, they prefer to self-manage. I'm one of those people where I, 
it's hard for me to give people to just give something up mm-hmm. and let them take care of it because you know you like man I unless you think like me it's just hard for me to give that to you and I just have to take it off my plate but depending on the situation the type of property where it's located that a lot of time is your best option uh, if your property is in the city and you can drive to it it's more it's more cost effective and um it it would just seem better for you to just manage it yourself. Now, some people, they just don't want to do it. They're like, I don't want to manage it. I'll hire somebody and let them manage it. And that's going to turn, it's going to, uh, it's going to go into your cash flow. But at the same time is what are you willing to pay for peace of mind? Mm-hmm. If you feel like, hey, I don't want to deal with the maintenance requests. I don't want to deal with the tenants and all that stuff. I'm going to pay somebody to uh, manage it for me. And you can do that even if you live on site. Like, you can literally buy the property, and let's say they didn't even know you were the owners, even when you were in the process of buying it, you can give it to a property manager, and they don't even have to know you own it. You can be living there, and, and they don't even know you own it. They have a, the property management company will send all the paperwork and let them know that it's, it's, they're managing the property now. And you just be living on site. They'll just think you're another tenant. Like, some people prefer to do that. We did not do that. We let them know, hey, we are the owners. Um, but like I said, again, like if you have a property that's out of state like we do, it's best that, you know, for us, that we have a property management. Because uh, it would just cause us to have to fly in and do all this stuff. And it can be a lot. You know well, the I'm only saying? reason why we really have a property manager for that property, and she's great, by the way, because there are some, we've heard some horror stories about property managers. But this property manager does think a lot of like Ramon. Um, she's not really um, initially. She doesn't seem aggressive, but <laughs> I think she can be, or she is when it, you know when it comes down to it. But anyways, um, the reason why we um, chose to have a property manager for our out of state property is because we when we bought it, it wasn't stabilized. So had that property been stabilized and we were just like, hey, we can get a team, you know, of maintenance guys and, um, you know, have them pay rent online or send to the P.O. box or whatever. Do you think that we would have been able to self-manage it? Uh, it depends because you got to think if you don't know the area, mm-hmm. like she like like our private manager does, she's from the area. She doesn't live far from it. She knows it, you know. Um, she already manages other properties in the area. Um, it would have took us to do certain things, like maybe live there temporarily or, you know, to, right. to stabilize it or to make sure everything is running right. And then you can get to get it to where you just have your, your properties on autopilot. Like you said, you can throw up a couple of cameras if you want. So you can just look at the property from the comfort of your own home in another state, you know, and you have everybody paying online. You have a, if you have a system, you can set the system up to where if you need to serve a notice, there's lawyers that will serve notices for you. Right. They'll charge a fee. You can put that into the lease and have the tenant pay for that, you know, where you eat some of the costs. It just depends on how you want to run it. Um, you know, we again, we have this property manager because we liked her. We liked how she operate. And, you know, it's going to be some bumps, you know, because sometimes you may not agree with how they, they do certain things and they may not agree with how you want certain things done. You don't you want to be able to uh, collectively 
agree on how to, you know, and you kind of do want to give them autonomy to do certain things, even if it's, even if you don't really, really agree with it. Um, sometimes it'll work out. Sometimes it won't. You just learn from it. Um, so some people do not like property managers. They don't. They think that this is a waste of money, and they don't want anybody to touch their property. It just depends on you and what your uh, tolerance. Personal preferences. Yeah, your are. personal preference. What's your tolerance level? Um, you know, we're trying to grow, and a lot of times in life, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to evaluate that and see. Okay, yeah, we can self manage this, but should we do it? What the time that we're gonna put into it? The money, is it going to be worth it versus just letting somebody else do it who does it for a living? And then now we got our time to focus on other things. Yeah, to buy more properties. To buy more properties, yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, for me, it's still a process. It's still a process because even though she's managing, I still, my head, I still think about it all the time, you know. So I still have to get myself into the groove where I'm not trying to self-manage it still. You know, even though we're paying her to do it. So, um, you know, it's just a personal preference. But if it's in city, I just say manage it yourself. Um, yeah. It, you know. But. Yeah, if you live in the same place, why wouldn't you want to? I mean, I, well, I don't want to say why wouldn't you want to. But for us, it just made sense. It makes sense for us to manage our own properties. Uh-huh. I mean, Save more money. You save a lot of money. And listen, you get the, ed- get the education. <laughs> you can learn how to how to manage your property. Um, and if you really, really want to do it, like, um, go get a part-time job or full-time as a leasing agent. Work, you know, at, at a big apartment complex. You know, then you really get the, the experience on how to run a, a you know, a, a bigger apartment complex. Right. Um, there's different, you know, little things you can do. Um, outside of reading, watching YouTube videos, or listening to podcasts, um, that you can just get that experience and get your feet wet and get you comfortable with doing it. Because a lot of times people, it is it does seem like a lot where you're not comfortable and you're a little scared and you're like, ah, I just rather give that to somebody else. And you might be giving up money that you shouldn't have to. Right. You so. just And that's the thing. I think in this industry, well, I know in this industry for us, it, um, initially it was very... Uh, it could be daunting because, you know, you just feel overwhelmed by everything. You're excited and, you know, the adrenaline is going, but it could be daunting at the same time because you're like, I've never done this. And I'm dealing with, you know, all these different people and, and they're paying me rent. You know, it's not like they paying you for a service. They're paying you to live, you know. So you almost have to treat it as if I, I know I know everything. And then we, you know, we try to, you know, we are very humble people. So it was hard, you know, at first to feel confident in what we were doing. I think that's what I, what I was trying to say. You have to be very confident. Even if you don't know what you're doing, you got to have that level of confidence that says to the tenants, you know what, they're going to make sure that, you know, the property is, you know, well kept and, and I'm living in a, you know, safe environment. So, you know, it's, everything is about preference of how you handle this. So all the suggestions that we make, they are things that we've done, you know, Uh do you have anything to suggest? No, I think we we made it a good, 
managing property? Because we got this question before, like, you know, what is it like managing a property on site? And we just kind of want to give our insight, our experience of doing that. And just to let you know, it can be done and it's not as bad as you might have heard. Um, right. Everybody's experience is different. But what you will get out of it is worth it. Right. And what and just going back some some podcasts ago, Ramon and I set the presidents. We will not buy a place we will not live. We are lazy landlords. So if we don't have to come to a tenant's house at one or two in the morning for a toilet issue or anything like that, it's because we came into those units saying, Hey, this is what we, we want to fix and resolve this now because we're not gonna pay for that later. That ain't lazy. That's a proactive. Yes, proactive, I like not lazy. To be proactive. Yes, very proactive. Yeah. Because we we don't have a lot of maintenance requests. We really don't. Um, so make sure that you you know you as a landlord you're diligent about how you how you um, manage your requests and how you handle your properties. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Slow Wealth Podcast. We really love and appreciate you. Oh, the next one. Number 10, we're going to actually talk about uh, managing a property as a couple versus single. There is a little difference. Um, and we'll give our experience, obviously, as a couple and, and you know, what we think it would be like being single. Um, and that won't be as long as a podcast, but it'll be a little good one. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for listening to, to the Slow Wealth Podcast. Success lives on Elevation with Kendra and Ramon. Find us on Spotify, Google yes. Play, and iTunes. iTunes. And please subscribe, leave comments, uh, email us your questions at invest at slowwealth.com. Again, that's Slow Wealth. Success lives on Elevation. Um, thanks again. And we out. Peace.